The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's show falls on November 1st, All Saints Day, which seems like the perfect occasion to welcome today's guest, Julie Hedenborg, RN. Julie is the creator and host of the Everyday Miracles podcast and is passionate about sharing others' powerful testimonies that glorify God's love and the power of hope and faith. A cardiovascular intensive care nurse for uh, 16 years and a certified nurse anesthetist, Julie was recognized by the Mecklenburg Times in 2009 as a healthcare hero. Sadly, Julie was forced to retire from the uh, from a career she loved on account of several mini strokes and a traumatic neck injury. And on July 3rd, 2015, she said that was the day that changed everything when she found herself in an ambulance with her life-threatening injury, asking soul-searching questions such as, did she live a life that glorified God? Did she use her God-given gifts to make a difference in the lives of others? Happily, Julie was blessed with a healing miracle and a second chance And this spiritually transformative experience became the catalyst for her new calling, realized in the Everyday Miracles podcast. Julie was podcast-inspired by her own STEs, and her shows are based on interviews with others who share with her their visions, OBEs, and other STE-based miracles. Julie lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, with her husband, two children, a spirited Australian shepherd mix, and a mini labradoodle. Julie, welcome to NDE Radio. Oh, thank you, Lee. It's a pleasure to be here. I've really enjoyed your show. Well, I enjoyed yours. And uh, so it's great that we have this chance to do one together, uh, sister podcaster. Um, yes. I'm, I'm so glad you could be here on NDE Radio. Julie, except for a time in college when a favorite professor inflicted his atheist notions on you, you've been a serious Christian most of your life. And as a nurse, you witnessed some patients' STEs that strengthened your faith and even changed your life. And one of the ones that you told me about was a a man who coded. Could you tell us that story? Oh, I'd be thrilled to tell you that story. Yes. I actually worked in the cardiovascular ICU for two years before I became a nurse anesthetist and the bulk of that, my career, 16 years in anesthesia. Um, But in the the time that I was working in the CVICU, I'd actually lost my faith. Um, because of my professor that I had so much respect for. Um, It really shook me to hear his views. And uh, it was a lonely time in my life. Um, But one night I'm working and a man did arrest. He was actually the patient next to mine. He had been joking with me all night. (laughs) And uh, he kept yelling out. I was asking my patient to squeeze my hands. They were waking up from bypass surgery. And um, and he kept yelling out, come on in here, I'll squeeze you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I had to uh, take care of him while his nurse was at lunch, you know, three in the morning because we're night shift. And during the time that he went to lunch, this man arrested and I saw his eyes kind of roll back. I heard the alarm on the monitor and I saw that it was a real code. And I went in and I was the first one in the room. I had the crash cart. I defibrillated him and kind of asked for help. And other people came in and I felt with my own hands that he was pulseless. He was blue. He had an arterial line that showed no blood pressure. He was clinically dead for, I don't know how many minutes this has been 20 years ago or more, um, maybe five minutes, seven minutes. I don't remember, but, um, he was completely gone during that time. And a lot of things were happening in the room while he was out and, you know, his, his nurse came back and we did get him back. And of course he came out just joking right off the bat. <laughs> it's about time he came in here. And I was so happy. I was like, Oh, don't do that to us. You know? And, um, so I, my patient's still on autopilot and, um, then everybody leaves and, um, the nurse is outside charting all the paperwork and I'm in the room and I'm picking up the strips of EKGs and just some of the things that kind of fly around during a code. And, he looks down at me as I'm picking all this stuff up and he says, Hey, he goes, I just want to say thank you. And I said, Oh, well, you're, you're welcome. That's kind of what they pay me for. And he goes, no, he goes, I don't think you understand. And I looked up at him and he's like, I, I saw you. 
And I'm thinking, well, he saw me as I'm coming into the room with a crash cart. And he says, no, he goes, he goes, I was floating in the room right there. And he pointed to the end of his bed towards the ceiling. He said, I was right there and I could see everything that happened. And he proceeded to tell me, he said, you came in the room, you shocked me three times. And then this other person in a white lab coat who had come and gone before he was ever conscious, he came in and started help, you know, using a bag to help me breathe. And this, he told me every single thing that happened in the room from this perspective, he had consciousness and was able to recall everything that happened in the room. And that changed my life, you know, having lost my faith you know, on the floor, picking these things up and listening to him tell me these things, I, I felt completely overwhelmed. Um, I immediately in my heart, you know, I started to cry. It was just so amazing to me that he was doing this. And I realized in that moment, you know, we are definitely spirits. <laughs> our spirit is going somewhere after it leaves our body. We're, we're spirits first. Um, just like it says in the Bible, I knew you before you were ever born, you know, and, um, I, in my mind, I'm crying out to God. And for me, it was like, God is real. Jesus is real. And I have denied him this, these last couple of years. And I just got really emotional and I cried out to the Lord. And I said, I'm, I'm so sorry that I questioned you. You know, I'm so sorry. I had so much, like my heart just was about to bust. And, um, I really felt the presence of the Lord in that moment. Um, almost like his arms were around me. Like I just felt loved and I felt no condemnation at all. I just felt he was saying to me, I'm here. I've always been here and I love you, you know, and that night was really amazing for me. It it did change my life. You know, the the amazing thing about that is just an ordinary out-of-body experience could have had such a profound impact on you or anyone you know, if they heard it under the right circumstances, that these stories have so much power where they're needed at the time they're needed, that it can change a person's life just to hear a story like this, which is why you and I are doing what we're doing. Yes. And we're getting, you know, I believe in testimonies. (laughs) Yes. yes. (laughs) (laughs) Then there was a woman who uh, uh, was visited before she died. Yes, that was another thing that I saw. I saw, I think they're called death visions. Um, I actually interviewed a chaplain. I love chaplains, by the way. Um, chaplains and missionaries always have the best stories to share if you're at a party. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, he shared that on the podcast. And um, I, I, it was amazing. I still remember that too, very clearly. I had a patient and I don't remember if she had had open heart surgery. That was a unit I was working on, but occasionally we had other things. And um, she was lucid. Uh, totally oriented person, place, and time. And, um, I noticed she was in the room by herself and I was, I was outside the room. They're kind of sliding glass doors, you know, and I looked in and she's, she's very animated. She's having this amazing reunion. Like there's nobody in the room. (laughs) And I, I don't know if I had just come on my shift, but I, I was like, Oh my, she's hallucinating. You know, it's my first thought as a clinician. So I looked down, I'm like, what did she have morphine? you know, and, and she was very much enjoying this moment. And so by the time I I went, I realized maybe there was something else to give. I stepped away. I came back and she was, she was just back to sitting by herself, not talking with anyone. And and I I came in and I asked all the nurse questions like, okay, I got to ask this just for routine. You know, what's your name? What year is it? You know, all the questions and she passed just fine. And I thought, well, that is so odd. That's so odd. And I almost felt like, <laughs> should I ask her? Like, who are you just talking to? <laughs> and um, I think the next day I came on and she had passed away. She had passed away. And, you know, I, I, that family member, you know, a lot of times what I used to see and recall the family members come to you and they say, um, my mom is saying that she talked to her sister. <laughs> that was the more common thing. I only saw, I know that's what I saw because it now seeing the other pieces come in, um, it does happen. People are greeted. And, and I do believe our God has so much mercy and love for us that he, that's a way that he helps us in the transition. And I don't know if people say like, oh, they're my previous loved one came. I don't know if that's an angel 
some people say, well, you can't come back when, you know, I don't know if the angel appears as that person, or if it is that person's spirit, I know it happens. So that gives me a lot of, I don't know. I think that's a really neat way that God helps us in that time. And when I encountered as a chaplain, when I encountered uh, things like that, I would try to assure the family that I truly believe that was a sister that came to visit her, not a, not a hallucination. That mm-hmm. it, because that had the capacity to strengthen, perhaps strengthen their faith as well. Absolutely. And it gives them tremendous peace. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really neat to see. And, you know, I've learned also, I've seen those people arrest shortly. And sometimes it's imminent they arrest, or sometimes mm-hmm. it's within the next day. It, you know, I can't put a number on it, but, you know, even the nurses would kind of joke about it. Like, well, you know, they had a visitor. You might want to get the crash cart near the room because <laughs> we knew. And um, it was that kind of common in our common knowledge in our ICU. But um, I just think it's a, it's a beautiful thing that that yeah. happens. Now, you said that you never had someone that had a, a, a bad experience uh, as with an NDE or an out-of-body experience, but <clears throat> that, that a patient had, had an experience like that and a nurse told you to go in and see Yes, him. yes. I remember that very well. Um, there was a woman uh, that I worked with and, you know, some people, even in the nursing community, at first, they may not be open to talking about these things. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and I've met other nurses in other ICUs that, that say they haven't seen these kinds of things, but in our unit, <laughs> this one lady and I were talking and I, she was a mentor to me. And I asked, I told her about this experience that I had with the one gentleman. And I said, you know, do you see that? And she's like, oh yeah. She's like, I've, she was a nurse for a long time. And she said, have you ever seen anyone that had a bad experience? And I was like, oh, I've only seen a few things, you know, I've hadn't been a nurse that long. And, and she's like, Oh, it happens. And and I don't remember how much longer after this conversation, but she came and got me one day on a shift and she said, Hey, um, she said, remember that conversation we had? And she goes, come here. She goes, and her patient had coded and he was, he was resuscitated, but, um, she said, come over here and look into his eyes. And I went over and, um, this man was absolutely terrified and he was calling out for the chaplain. Um, he had had, he had seen some horrific things. Apparently I didn't, I didn't even really want to ask what he had seen, but I remember that. And even the feeling in the room, you know, some people can pick up on things and I'm kind of a feeler, you know, um, I kind of pick up on the, the energy. I don't know. I, but it was just, uh, it was not good. It was not good at all. And I've never, I only had seen so many in the two years in the ICU and luckily not in anesthesia. I didn't have that experience, but I will never forget that. Mm. Do you know if the chaplain came to to talk with them, Mm -hmm. but probably didn't say anything to you afterwards about about Honestly, I was, I was probably too busy with my patients. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And maybe this is kind of jumping too far over, but one of the shows that you mentioned, um, uh, that you did an interview uh, on your podcast with was a, uh, person who had been a Satan worshiper and converted. Maybe this is the time to talk about that. Yeah, sure. I, you know, when I started the podcast, I really prayed for God to lead me. And, um, he led me to interview this man and I had heard about him. His name is Michael Lehan. He was a 20 year Satanist and he actually got an assignment from, um, he called it a death angel, um, to kill pastor Craig Rochelle. And I had heard about this. I'd heard about this years back. I didn't even know the man's name. I think we had a guest pastor and he brought up the example of something within that situation at the church in a sermon. And over quarantine, I kept having this thought, you should interview that man that tried to kill Craig Rochelle. And I'm thinking, I don't want to interview a Satanist. It's kind of how God leads me in this podcast. And, and I just shut the, shoved the thought back. I didn't know if the man was still a Satanist or if he was in jail. I had no idea. And the thought kept coming back. And so I thought, okay, Lord, if this is you, you know, so I Googled Satanist Craig Rochelle and there was Michael Lehan and um, he I reached out. He's a totally 
evangelist now, loves Jesus. He has a major motion picture coming out actually um, about his experience. Um, but yes, he was he was on the dark side. His book was very sobering to me. And um, luckily he is, he has found truth and he's been delivered from those things. And his testimony is absolutely amazing. Amazing. Did he say what brought the change about? Oh, it's a whole story. (laughs) (laughs) uh, He was crying. He was angry with God and he was confused and he, he was going to kill himself. Um, Well, at the church, the day he came actually to, with a gun to kill the pastor after plotting for a year Um, I believe the Holy, he said that something just happened in his heart and he turned himself in. (laughs) I just (laughs) think the Holy spirit came over him. And I think it's a great example. That testimony is a great example that we can never be too far from Christ. We are all it's redemption is possible for all of us. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. And yeah, I hope the movie, the movie's called the adversary, um, or that might be the book, but it's coming out hopefully this next year. It'll be amazing. But yes, he, he had to go through a process and it didn't happen immediately, um, but he, he did go through a form of deliverance and um, God has saved him. And really these hellish uh, and near-death experiences that what, what they call DNDEs or distressing near-death experiences are a message from the other side to get your life in order, to straighten things out. I mean, it's really a gift, as horrifying yeah. as it may seem at the time that this is a gift that's uh, being given to you so that you get a picture of what's what lies in store if you don't uh, straighten up and fly right, as they say. A hundred percent. You you have a, a personal experience of your grandmother coming to see you in a dream. Tell, tell us about that. Oh, wow. I'm probably going to cry telling this story. Um, yes, this is really amazing. My grandmother and I had a special relationship Um just really a special relationship. And, um, she passed away. She was always the person that took care of everyone else. And when she died, she had liver cancer and it just really, she decided, I think she was in her eighties and she decided she didn't want treatment. So it really devoured her at the end. And the images seeing her the way she was haunted me because she, she was such a strong woman. And, um, I remember reading her an NDE story I came to see her before she passed away. I was actually the last person that she ever spoke to before she died. And she went so much faster. She was always an overachiever. <laughs> she was ready to go. Um, I was reading an NDE story to her. Um, and in the story, it was, I got to the good part where there was light and love and, and um, she started crying and um, it was hard for her to even talk at that. And I was like, you know, grandma, are you okay? Like I was trying to comfort her and let her know that this is coming and, you know, we all knew she was dying. And so I just, I said, okay, I'll I'll stop reading it. You know, and I was holding her hand, but that was one of the last conversations that we had was about heaven. And, um, after she passed, you know, I didn't know until the funeral that I was the last person that she spoke to. Um, she just rapidly deteriorated. So I was traveling with my husband. It was months later and, um, I still could not get past those images of her just suffering at the end. And thinking how I didn't, I didn't really know if I upset her with talking about heaven and I don't know why she was crying that time. But anyway, just couldn't get that out of my head. I didn't have peace about it. And uh, I I had a dream one night and I, it was kind of a ho-hum dream. I was in the grocery, like looking at 50 kinds of mustard or something. (laughs) And I will never forget this. I, I sensed a presence. I turned and right there, right in front of me was my grandmother and she was beaming this beautiful iridescent light. She was absolutely radiant. And she, she wasn't like 30 and everyone says you're, when you go up there, you're, you're young. And she was the healthy version that I knew she was. And she was, she was so happy to see me. And I dropped whatever mustard I had in my hand. and I was just like, grandma, like, and she, she looked in my eyes and she didn't say anything, but like, I, I know she was telling me heaven is so amazing and I just can't wait. I can't wait to share it with you. And I thought about, you know, that story I was reading to her and it was like, she wanted, she just can't wait. And she grabbed me and she hugged me so tight, so tight. And it felt so real. And I, I jolted straight up out of my sleep 
And I was just hysterical. And I was like, oh, my grandma, my grandma, my grandma, you know, and at large was like, oh my gosh. And I said, no, she was here. It was so real. It was so real. And I will never forget that. It was such a gift. I almost felt guilty asking my family members, like, has she come to you? <laughs> like, it was just such a gift. And I, I, you know, I look back and and John Burke did verify this is biblical. This happens. And uh, I feel like he's, he's one of the authorities on this stuff, but, um, and it, God did communicate with people in dreams. So I don't oh, know yes. if she was, if she was allowed to come mm-hmm. back. I don't know if it was just a dream that God gave me, but what I do know is it was a message and it gave me complete peace, complete. It's so special to me. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure that was real too. That That was not it was, it's never just a dream, but in that case, I think it was, uh, she probably decided it was time to come let you know things were good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were told as a nurse, an ethicist, I'm having trouble with that word today, <laughs> anesthetist, anesthetist. Yeah. Um, you were in the operating room and you got a message that this part of your life is over. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, sometimes God calls us away from things that we think are the places that we're supposed to be. And I love doing anesthesia. I would walk down the halls to meet my next patient. I would pray, you know, about the next God help me have the words, you know. And uh, one morning I was doing a case and everything was very routine. I was in, had a beautiful day, smooth induction. I intubated the patient and I, everything was just going well. And I uh, felt like I was in my flow state, you know, and I turned to put my blade in a towel. And um, as I turned, I still remember exactly where I, where I was when this, I heard this, but I heard so clearly in my head, as I turned, this part of your life is over. And I did not know that was the Lord speaking to me. <laughs> I thought, did I eat something? Like, why, why would I, it was so not what I expected. And I, I just thought I was so troubled by it. I was saddened because I worked really hard to have that degree. And I felt like I was exactly where this is my calling. You know, I'd done it long enough that I felt proficient. And I, I remember going home and asking my husband, like, why would I think that? It was so clear. And when you look into the, when you look in the Bible, you know, God, he actually, he kind of lets people know something is about to happen. You know, he does that in all the stories. There are lots of people that are kind of given, you know, Hey, this is going to happen. So I, I looking back on that, I, I realized that was the Lord speaking to me. How much of a warning was that? How soon after that did you have your, your uh, physical problems? Oh, wow. I wish I had journaled it, you know, got to journal these things. (laughs) Again, I didn't know, oh, it's the creator of the universe probably sending a message. I didn't think that. Um, Maybe a year. Um, You know, I actually had to stop working. I'm technically disabled because I have severe scoliosis. And then the injury that I had um, was with my neck and a a practitioner had tried to treat me um, by adjusting my neck. And it's my belief that that is what caused the injury. But um, yes, it was a life-threatening injury that happened in 2015. And that's when everything really started to shift. (laughs) Now um, you said something to me about um, you got an overwhelming sensation that, that flooded over you, that you should go to the hospital right away. Yes. This was that. Yes. Um, this is probably the most, um, the biggest supernatural piece I feel like that I've ever experienced personally. Um, you know, I, like I told you, I had the treatment and sometimes that injury, if it happens related to that, people can have, they can code right there in the office when it happens. Um, again, I can't say a hundred percent that this treatment is what caused the injury, but it's a known cause of the injury. It's the number one cause of this injury. Um, and it happened pretty soon after, but I had the treatment and then I left and then I didn't have any pain before. And then I started noticing pain after, and over a couple of days, I had decreased range of motion. I had more pain. I started having dizziness and I was calling him and saying, something's wrong. Ever since you did that, I'm something is not right. And the place he was working on was very high on my neck. And that is more risky, um, C2. So yes, yes. So 
I had some mini strokes or TIAs is what we call them transient ischemic attacks. And they're kind of like a warning sign for a stroke, but with the injury that I had, you can, you can actually die of a stroke. Um, basically I had bilateral vertebral artery dissections and I had an aneurysm at that level, which I can't say for sure may have been there before, but it was at that location where we were working. Um, I still have that, but it's stable. Um, yes, I had these signs and even doing neuro anesthesia and working in the neuro ICU, like I had a small vision change and I was still blowing it off just thinking, Oh, I just need to eat something. I, you know, but inside I knew something wasn't right, but I, I just, my husband was on a mission trip. We were throwing a huge July 4th party. I had all these things happening. My kids were all over me and I thought, I'm just, I don't know what's going on. I, with this little vision thing I just had, but I'm just, I'm going to eat something and get the kids to the pool. And, um, as I was kind of gathering some things to go to the pool, something happened to me. And, um, this, overwhelming feeling. It's hard to describe. It flooded through me. It was like a rush of feeling that flooded from my head to my toes. It left goosebumps all over my body. And it was, it was almost like being hit with like a spiritual hammer or something. I just like, Whoa, what was that? And, uh, in the feeling there were no words or anything, but the feeling that it told me instantly was you have to go to the emergency room right now. I mean, there was no, the, the, the similar, like if someone had broken into my house, taken me by the shoulder, shaken me and screamed that in my face, that is the feeling it gave me like, Oh my gosh. And at that moment, my mother-in-law walks through the back door of our house. And which she typically came around that time, but it was right at that moment. And she comes in to find me just totally stunned. Like, and I, she's like, what's wrong? And I said, this is crazy. Like I have to go to the emergency room right now. And long and short of it, they almost, they almost sent me home, but I kept telling them, I'm like, look, you know, I'm not seeking drugs. I'm something is something's not right. And they, they didn't send me home. They did the cat scan and the doctor said, you know what, let's just rule things out. Let's just do this. You said you might've had a vision chance. I said, something is not right. Ever since I had that treatment, something's wrong. And, uh, they did the cat scan and she came back in and she was in complete shock. She said, you have your arteries, both arteries are dissected, your vertebrals, and you have an aneurysm and we're she was just completely shocked that this, she's like, and you're sitting here talking to me totally alert. Like, and I'm just, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I said, what's going to happen? Are they going to stem me or can I eat? Am I, am I, is my party canceled? Like all these things are flooding (laughs) in my head. And she's like, we're getting an, we're getting a transport vehicle. We're going to take you to an, like to the ICU downtown by ambulance. I'm calling the neurosurgeon now. I don't know what is the next step. And I just was in complete shock. And I, I, you know, in that moment I realized like whatever that was, you know, at the time I recorded the video, I'm like, maybe it was my grandma's spirit. Like, I think it was probably an angel that gave me their messengers. An angel told me you got to go right now. And they were able to get me on anticoagulants and um, check everything out. And, and I, you know, there are people that die from this and I had both, I had three things against me and I have no, the fact that I have no residual issues. I can't ride roller coasters. Big deal. I get to see my kids blow out their candles. Like it is a complete miracle It is a complete miracle. And I I know that I was told to go to the ER. Did you tell the doctor that you've been told by something supernatural to go to the ER? Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know what that feels like, um, for someone to listen to you and for someone to avoid that topic. And, you know, when you're going through something like this, you know, it was my neurologist. I remember looking at, you know, asking people, I'm like, am I going to be okay? Like, (laughs) and nobody could really assure me of that in the ICU. You know, I heard the ambulance drivers talking and I knew I might die today. Like, like, as you said, in the intro, it was, it was a pivotal moment for me. Um, ultimately it motivated me to, to surrender my life to Christ. Totally. You know, I'd surrendered pieces of my life to him before, but not really fully. And I feel like that is really what's accelerated my whole journey and being able to hear from God and know God and let him guide me to all these amazing people. So it was, it was an amazing experience. I'm just super grateful. So it was a, an altar call, not 
in the church, but in the hospital. Yes, it was. And um, I, I think I told Lilia, um, you know, at first, especially having a doctor that's kind of like, oh, okay, well, I got to <laughs> want to listen to what I had to say, but it was a little too much for him. Um, I started feeling really ins- like, I started questioning it because I'm like, well, this was a neuro, this was a brain event. So maybe something happened, happened in my brain. I started to actually question it. I knew what I had, I knew that was something really different that had happened to me. I did not think it was from my brain, what was Mm -hmm. happening with the mini strokes. And, uh, we were on a vacation about a month later, which I almost didn't get to go on. Um, but on that trip, I heard a man telling a a testimony. We were on a boat in the middle and then we were just driving back and he got up and told a testimony of how he was in Alaska and freezing water way out getting late. And I had been praying to God, show me what is this? So they, their boat was sinking and it was dark and they were drowning and there was a fisherman in a boat, not far away. And he said, what he described, he said, the fisherman said this overwhelming flood of this feeling came over him through his head to his, I mean, it was exactly what I experienced. And it told the fisherman to go this direction and then to the middle of nothing, like at night, like there was no reason to go there and it saved their lives. And so it was a real testimony for the three of them, you know, but he felt he knew he had to go and he didn't know why, but it was so overwhelming. And so it really validated that I had had a true experience. And I, I believe an angel told me to do that and it saved my life possibly. So it was really neat that God confirmed that experience for me with the fishermen. Yeah, it's not amazing. It's there are no coincidences. <laughs> no, <laughs> but that story should come along just in time to reassure you that your experience was real. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, talk about your recovery because it was a, a kind of a miraculous thing that that happened for you. Yeah, my recovery. You know, um, well. <sighs> I'm really big on justice. <laughs> we have these struggles with my daughter and I'm like, what is she so hung up on that for? She gets that from me. I've learned. Um, but, you know, I used to help write policy at the first hospital that I worked at. And, you know, I think there's a the best way to do things. And if I had a patient who had a skin tear or any complication, like I was, I was on fire to get right out to the family and explain, you know, this is hap- this was happened. And we, this, you know, we're going to do everything we can. And, and I just felt a big responsibility. And, you know, in my work, like every month we have meetings, like how to improve our care. And we track every single little thing that happens. So when this happened to me, you know, I told you it was my belief that this person caused it. And I really liked this person And I reached out to him after I got out of the intensive care unit and I was crying. And I said, I don't know how to tell you this, but this has happened to me. And I really believe it was what we did. And, um, he did say he was sorry. He was just, well, it's the number one reason they get sued. So I'm sure there was some fear too, naturally. And, um, I, I was not litigious. I told him that I'm not litigious. I know this, you never would have wanted this to happen, but like, I, I want to come in with my records and, and I want people to learn from this. I felt like it could be helpful for someone else. And so I asked him that and I called him and I, and he would not see me after that. He would not talk to me after that. Um, and I was told I had it like an open shut case and it was, you know, I won't get into all that, but I just felt like that's not the answer. You know, I had a lot of pain in the healing, there's really, it's really a weird pain that you have with that injury. And it doesn't really respond to pain medicine, like other things. I don't know why. Um, I had almost panic attacks because they told me when I left, they said, well, the aneurysm probably won't rupture. <laughs> like, I've actually given blood, pumped blood for aneurysms that are ruptured. I know how bad that is, you know, firsthand. And so that caused me a lot of anxiety. Um, you know, I couldn't drive at first, but that was pretty temporary. Um, I had to have a lot of follow-ups, CAT scans, and, um, it wasn't too bad every so many months they would do that. But, um, I, at work, you know, they told me you could go back to work after so long, but they, I could still have a stroke for three months. And I had, I ended up quitting. Cause I'm like, I can't, like I was charting, I came in just to help with lunch and I would chart something and I would think I better chart it in case I have, and I'm like, I had a stroke. And I, it was like, I finally, I went to my, I only went in like one time and I went to my manager. I said, I can't do this. Like the patient deserves 
someone that's not possibly going to have a stroke doing their anesthesia. And so, and I guess the odds were very low that would happen or they would not have cleared me to go back to work. But in my mind, I'm just kind of a purist that way. So I quit my job and it was the one thing I felt like I was good at and um, that I loved. And so that was gone. I had a falling out with my best friend who was married to someone else in the same profession, not the same person that did this, but, and I was trying to promote people to go to him and, and that really hurt me. So all of these things were happening. And at the same time, I had this amazing miracle physically. So we layer on like guilt and shame, like you should be dancing in the street. <laughs> so I, it was, it was awful. I, I couldn't, I didn't know how to forgive him. I know I'm supposed to, but it was like, I don't feel it, God. I'm just mad. Like, and God sent people. And I guess this is how part of the podcast really started is, um, you know, and the devil can send people too, but God sent some amazing people to me and uh, I, I isolated myself and they were pulling me out of that. I got invited to this Bible study. I had to, my Bible hadn't even been opened. I didn't even know where it was. <laughs> I've learned, I've come a long way. Um, but uh, I, God sent a lot of people to tell me their testimony, you know, and when you're in, you know, my pastor just said this last weekend, he said, you know, faith fluctuates. And when you go through something really hard and you, you're, you're, maybe you're mad at God, you know, it's, it's not a sin to be mad. We all have emotions. God knows how we feel, you know, but I was struggling and I was trying to pray for him, but I was, my prayers were even pitiful for this because you're supposed to pray for those people that hurt you. And, um, but they got better because I was obedient and I just kept praying God to help me. And it took me a year to forgive this man, (laughs) but all of those testimonies that I heard, they were like life, like life preservers to me of hope. And it was just so amazing. And I knew God was doing something in my life, but there were times I'm like, God, how are you going to use this really? And then I got told I was disabled. Um, there's so many pieces, but um, yeah, God was working in all of it. But you avoided spine surgery, didn't you? So far I have avoided spine surgery. They, that's another miracle really. <laughs> and I don't even talk about, cause I have so many others to talk about, but um, even the woman I work with, she's like, Julie, if I didn't know you and meet you, I wouldn't believe this is even your x-ray. They've told me I wouldn't make it past 2018 or 19. They said, you, you can't make it past that. You're going to need two, two rows of hardware. Like it's a major, like I'll be out for a year at best and I won't be able to bend <laughs> like it's, it's not very, and it won't even straighten my curve out all the way. Like it's maybe keep it from getting worse. Like why would anyone (laughs) want to buy that? You know? So I, God is, is he, I'm not working now, which I do think helps because at the end there, there were days where I couldn't feel my left leg. I would do anesthesia on these kids and I would, I loved carrying them, but I just couldn't do it that anymore. And, um, so God is sustaining me. And that's really my prayer. You know, obviously I pray for healing, but I feel like, well, there's a reason he's not doing this yet. And maybe this is my miracle that I'm still going. And I just ask him, give me what I need to finish what I need to do here. You know, and I trust you. Um, so just make it count. And uh, so you had to give up the career that you loved and felt totally suited for. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're wondering what to do next. And then there's the miracle at Exxon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I had two visions. Um, it's funny. I didn't think of them as visions. Cause you always, I always think of Ezekiel, like these grandiose, like huge major things. But um, one of the mornings in this whole journey, I woke up and I saw on the, on my wall, when I woke up, it was so clear. It was, it was like a newspaper title and it said miracle at Exxon. And um essentially I knew what that meant. Um, the year I told you, it took me a year to forgive my chiropractor. Um, and there, I just said it, um, (laughs) I did forgive him and I was really in a place of peace. And I texted that to my friend in my Bible study. And I told her, I said, I'm just trusting God. And, and minutes later, I'm at a gas station face-to-face with my chiropractor (laughs) and it was an Exxon station. And we had, I was, I, all of a sudden here I am all forgiven and at peace. And all of a sudden I was just so emotional. I didn't know if I was going to hug him or punch him. Like I just had so much emotion as seeing him and I prayed and I said, God, please help me right now. I don't even know. I don't know if I can do this. Like, and I went up to him, we talked two days later, we're in his office laughing and having an amazing time. And, and he told me as I was walking out, he said, you know, what's crazy. He's like, 
I didn't even need gas that day. I had three quarters of a tank. I have no idea why my, I turned the light wasn't red. I just like I didn't even need gas. And he's like, we should have done this a long time ago. And I said, no, it's exactly the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. And, and he, he did tell me he, he was very sorry. And he did believe that it did cause my injury, which I did not expect at all. And he was, he's a good man. These things just happen. They happen in anesthesia. They happen, you know, accidents happen. So it was really a neat experience, but, but the piece of the podcast, that was a vision that I had. And I didn't know at the time, like, well, it's a title, but to what Lord, is it a book? Is it, I don't feel like a, enough people kept telling me about my Bible study. They're like, you should write a book. Cause there's so many pieces I don't, don't have time to share. And I'm like, I just don't feel like that's it. You know, I mean, I didn't see Jesus or, you know, don't love, like, um, so the second vision that I had, if you, if you don't mind, I'll go right into that. Cause that Please. plays right into yeah. the cause. But, um, so there's a puzzle piece and I think God gives us these pieces. He's actually drawing us to him. I think he loves partnering with us. He really does. It's a joy of his. So, you know, I had to pray into that. What does that mean? And I knew God was doing something I'm like, there are all these closed doors. What, what are you, what is coming? And, and sometimes I say, just show me, but I wasn't quite ready. I had to heal. I had to get through some things. And I'm at this event with my husband in California. It was a Brendan Burchard event and my, my husband is a coach and um, I was kind of just tagging along, you know, and it was funny. I wasn't expecting this at all, but one of the, one of the things that they did during the talk, there were all these different ways to market your business. And it was all, all different types of things. And one of the, the, one of the words on the wall was podcast. And it was almost like a spotlight was on it. And I know that sounds crazy. I don't remember any of the other words. I just saw that. And it was like, God, I knew I was like, oh my gosh, it's a podcast because <laughs> then it's my story and your story and your, and not everyone can write a book. You know, I love those, those little testimonies you get at the grocery store and you think, man, you got to share that, We're, but not everyone writes a book about what God has done in their lives. So I was so excited in that moment. I go to turn to find my husband to say, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to have a podcast. And I know nothing about podcasts, by the way, but it was like, I, I had that knowing immediately. And when I went to turn, and this is going to sound really crazy. I've only experienced this once. When I went to turn in the back of the room, I had a vision and it, it was pretty quick. It wasn't pretty, but it was clear and it wasn't even in color. It was almost like right before my eyes, it materialized right in front of me. It was like a monument I picture, like the Washington monument kind of, but like slabs like this, like, like hockey pucks, like, and just, they, they were stacking right in front of my eyes and they were all testimonies and there were all different types of testimonies and different types of people. And, and it went higher and higher and it, and it was almost like someone took a pencil and drew it like, Oh, and, uh, it went all the way up and I couldn't even see the end of it. There were clouds and all of it lit up. It just lit up. And it was, I knew it was giving glory to God for all the things he has done. And it was like all these little life preservers for people that are struggling. And it, it was, it was hope. It was, it was amazing. And I knew I was so excited and I knew, I knew that was it. And then I came home from the trip and I almost chickened out, but God, God helped me. So it was definitely out of my comfort zone completely, you know, and when God calls you to do something, you know, there there are going to be times where it's very uncomfortable. And, you know, I really questioned like, maybe you know, I, I just struggled. I'm like, I don't know anything about this. Like I was really excited, but now I actually have to do it and I have to be, you know, learn all so many things. I was a nurse. I wrote in medical shorthand for years and now I got to write up these podcasts. And, um, so I got home and I, I told you this yesterday, but, um, I asked God for a sign. I think we do that when we don't want to be obedient or when we're just scared. Like, God, give me a sign. And so shortly after that, and I'm still like just scared to start. And I go to this prayer meeting and these are, I have all kinds of different friends, different faiths. And this was my Pentecostal group of friends. I love them. And um, I come in and there's a girl sitting down and everyone's gushing over her and they're talking about her amazing testimony. She was within hours of death and, Oh, it's just amazing. And so then they all kind of link, kind of walk away. And, and I, I'm kind of sitting there and I, I just pull her to the corner. I'm like, you know, my name is, you know, Julie. And I'm just thinking about doing this podcast to share testimonies. And, and before I could say another word, she's like, 
oh my goodness, this is the answer to my prayer. And she starts crying in the oh. whole room. The whole room is like, what's going on with, oh. and the leader's like, okay, hold on everybody. Let's, let's figure what, uh, what's happening here. And I was just like, okay, Lord, that's my sign. I asked for it. So it, God has a sense of humor, but uh, it actually came on the podcast and things started rolling. So yes. Was she your first podcast? No, actually, my first podcast I met at a beauty parlor when we were both had our heads in the sink. <laughs> After <laughs> everyone that I thought was going to come on, I went on the first episode. I have them lined up for you because I'd heard all these testimonies and I just assumed everybody would want to share and nobody wanted to share. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh. And I, because I, I, I really didn't let God lead me. I was trying to do it myself. And once I surrendered and I said, Lord, I was humbled and I said, Lord, what do you want me to share? And once I prayed and I asked him to guide me, she was my first one. And we were both, our heads were in the sink and my hairdresser asked me and she's the girl next to me was like, I have a miracle. And she was my first guest. And then miracle at Exxon, I realized that I knew when I saw, I remembered that. And I'm like, that's my episode. And I have to share not just the glossy pretty part of my miracle, but he wants me to share when I felt like I was going to punch someone in the throat <laughs> and I didn't know what God was doing. And because there are people in that space. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I love that. And I d- identify with that image that you had of the slabs, uh, stacked on top of one another the testimonies that there'd be all different kinds or they, uh, were just testimonies reaching up to the sky. I, mm-hmm. you know, I hope, uh, uh, the show that Lilia and I do here is doing the same thing. I expect that it is. Absolutely. Um, so, um, how many episodes have you done so far? I have 80 right now. Um, uh, it's been almost three years. I started it on Christmas day, you know, Jesus birthday that we observe. Um, so this, this December, this Christmas will be three years and it's been 80 and the stuff that he sends me when I pray, you know, that's the question everybody asks, how do you find these people? (laughs) And, um, I could write a book just on that. Uh, and my husband's like, if I didn't see it, I wouldn't believe it. Like at airports, random places on a rock in Aruba, like it's just really been awesome to see him doing the work and guiding me. It's really been awesome. Uh, what are some of the uh, other stories that you uh, interviews that you've done that really struck you uh, personally that spoke to you in in a personal way? Oh, there's so many. Um, I had uh, that told you about the Satanist, the former Satanist. Yes. And um, I've had two resurrection type miracles. A man was found found dead. They don't even know how long he was down, and he is he is amazing. Um, I had an ISIS fighter that was being cared for by. Um, a nurse, Samaritan's purse nurse and Brittany, she actually gave the, um, national day of prayer opening. She was there. She was my guest on my podcast. She's a pastor locally. Um, Mm -hmm. she was able to convert an ISIS fighter and he accepted Jesus. It's just an absolute amazing thing. Paralyzed man, um, 10 years, Mm -hmm. unilateral paralysis was healed on a prayer thing. It's on video. There's medical records and he's been doing the circuit. Uh, it's just absolutely amazing. I didn't think that would be something I would share. <laughs> um, provision, um, NDEs, I've started getting more comfortable sharing those um, uh, miracles of comfort. There was a man in Texas who lost his son from a brain eating amoeba years back. I remember when the the kids were, happened a few times and um, yes. it was an infection. He contacted me uh, from Houston, nice family. Oh my gosh. And um, I thought, how am I going to even do this? He lost his son. Like he's praising God from a place of loss because what had happened, Jesus, they saw someone saw Jesus at the bedside holding their son. So they had this amazing vision. And then he's had many confirmations that Hudson's in heaven and reassurances, you know, God is close to the brokenhearted. And that touched me so much that testimony, because again, it's one thing to praise God from a place of just this huge spectacular thing, but losing a child is something nobody can imagine. Um, Also human trafficking. I had um, Rebecca Bender. She is, I think she's kind of famous. Um, God put that on my heart, human trafficking. I did two videos of someone locally who works and rescues human traffic victims here in Charlotte. And I told her, I said, there's gotta be 
there's a third. I just knew there was a third. I said, I feel like I need, I want someone who's been trafficked to to speak. And that's gotta be hard. And like a week later, I'm at this event and Rebecca Bender is up on stage. She was trafficked, branded, brainwashed for six years in Las Vegas. Um, She's been delivered. Um, She has a seminary degree and now she's working with Congress and the FBI. She has an academy all over the world for people to help people. I mean, just amazing, amazing. And I knew there was weird. I knew there was supposed to be a third and I was scared to ask her because I'm like, it has to be her. (laughs) Of course she said yes. Um, Oh my gosh. There's a Muslim woman who was saved by Jesus twice. Um, The chaplain. I do love that chaplain one. Um, There's so many, I could just keep going. And this just healing um, orchestration. It's just undeniable that there's a God. When you, when you read the story, when you hear these testimonies, you and I have both uh, worked in medical settings, and uh, so I guess we both know how uh, turned off doctors and nurses can be, some of them, by hearing NDEs, uh, you know, out-of-body experiences, um, visions, um, and it's always, a, it's always a concern. It was always a concern to me as a chaplain, at any rate, that, that um, they were just telling the patient that might start to relate the story. Oh, that was just a hallucination. That was a dream. That was a, you know, that tunnel thing was just the, the dying of the optic nerve. Uh, you know, they've got all sorts of uh, medical or pseudo medical reasons for um, trying to explain how an NDE might've taken place. And it's, it really puts the patient down because the patient has just had the most amazing personal mystical experience of their whole lives, probably. So how would, how do you think we should deal or how could we enlighten maybe the better way to put it, the medical staff that's still um, living in the dark ages, as far as, as these events are concerned? That's a great question. You know, as a nurse and granted, I trained a long time ago, but I think it was the mid nineties I was in school and they trained us as nurses. When someone says something that is not in line with reality. We were told that's what you tell them. You bring them back from out of that. You, you take them out of that and say, no, that's a hallucination. So I, I can see why people would do that. Um, you know, I told you I had, I had kind of the sense about things. And I, I think for me, it was just different when someone would open up about something like that. I knew, I just felt what they were telling me was real. And I think whether you believe it or not, you know, we're supposed to treat people holistically as a, you know, with our mental health, their physical health and their spiritual health. And I think you need to at least listen to the patient. You don't have to necessarily, I guess, if you are against it to affirm it, I don't know. I don't know how we can change that, but I do think God is working in that arena too, because there are physicians that are having experiences and they're coming out and sharing them. And I feel like that, that helps with that, that segment of the community. It gives it more validation maybe credibility. Hmm. I know Dr. Chauncey, I think was one of them recently. That's come. He's written a book. And my second concern (laughs) and probably yours as a Christian is that so few churches acknowledge the reality of NDEs and are reluctant to think that God is still speaking to us in supernatural ways. Yes. You're asking me how to, how to fix that. Um, you know, yes. John, yes. Okay. Sorry. In, in 25 words or less, please. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just saying it's a, it's a joke because it's, it's such a, a difficult question to answer, but okay. I'm um, leaving it up to you. <laughs> yes. I actually ran into that myself because I got my first NDE testimony and I'm so excited. And I felt it was, I felt it was definitely from God for me to share. And I went to my church and I talked to some of the camp, campus pastors and it was, I kind of got the like, okay. You know, <laughs> they weren't wanting to listen. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, why, why do I feel, why the weirdness? Is it an idol? Is it new? Do you consider it? New? Like, well, I don't know. They wouldn't even talk about it. So um, I think the fact that, you know, it got my attention when you have a child who's atheist parents and they come back and they're talking about Jesus, or you have a blind person who can see when they come back, or you have people that come back that don't know the Bible and they're writing, they're saying scripture from their experience. I feel like that has to get some attention. And, you know, for me, um, not having that, you know, I was confused because I thought, 
can I share this? Is this going to, you know, are people going to take me seriously? And my podcast was still growing and I found John Burke's book imagine heaven. And I interviewed him recently. It was absolutely amazing. And, um, that book helped me so much because it actually, it helped me see scriptures that do correlate. And, and yes, we cannot use these experiences as the framework of our theology. You know, they're subjective for one. Um, and everyone's experience may be a little different. And there may be some people that are fabricating to make a book or that's happened before, but I believe all these commonalities that we're seeing over and over and over that, that partner, right. With scripture, like I, who's to say, it can't be a direct message from God about his promise that he has for us. And he wants all of us to come home. He wants all of us to know he's real. And so I don't know that it's not him pouring out his, his Holy spirit on the earth. It might be part of these experiences. So, you know, I, I do, I try to use discernment. I pray about every testimony that I do, but I think these could be a real gift to us and we need to be open to it. And I, I don't know how to make those people more open. So that's way more than 25 words. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect 25 words or less. Okay. Not really. Uh, we have a couple minutes and I, I know you'd like to say something to the audience uh, from your heart. And uh, so why don't you do that now? Yes. You know, I was, praying about what to share today. It's, it's a privilege to be able to share. And I feel like the number one thing I just want people to hear today. Um, I know things feel so crazy in our world right now. I know so many people that have lost loved ones right now. Um, they're, they're struggling financially or, um, with their health. And I just want you to know, I just want to remind you today that and this happened, my first NDE, actually, this was the message that it brought. And it just made me smile thinking about it. You are loved more than you can possibly imagine by a God who created you and he sees you and um, he's there for you. You just, you just got to reach out to him. And, you know, the Bible tells us that when we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. So I just encourage you. And that's, that's something I feel like if there's anything we can get out of these NDEs, it's just the reassurance, you know, just another reminder. Um, a second thing too, um, that I wanted to say, you know, with these crazy times, I do feel like you asked me the other day about, you know, do you think these are the end of days? And, you know, a lot of people are speculating on that and obviously nobody knows, but God, um, but there are two things that I know. I know a lot of people right now that are very, um, faith-based people that I just respect a lot. There's a lot of people being called to be still and pray right now. And I believe also there's a lot of people being called to minister and to step out in faith into something that God has for them. And that may be a ministry. It may be a bake sale. It may be going to put a note in the neighbor's house that you're praying for them. Um, but don't underestimate what God can do through you. And I think um, it's just the days are obviously we're one day closer every day, either to, you know, the end of days or our, I guess it would be a DE, <laughs> our death experience. Um, so it, the time is getting short and um, it can be uncomfortable, but God, if he's calling you to do this, just pray, lean into him, know that he's doing it through you. He will totally equip you. He will guide you and the best blessing of all, you will get to know his heart more and more every day. And that, that is priceless. And there will be blessings along the way. So I just encourage you to step out if you're feeling that, that calling for something. Thank you. That, that was beautiful. That was just right. And uh, so God bless you, Julie, and uh, Everyday Miracles. I hope uh, it grows and grows and that stack of slabs that you've envisioned reaches all the way to heaven. Oh, um, thank you. Ah. Uh, Tell listeners how they can connect with your podcast. Oh, yes. That's great. I almost forgot that. <laughs> I should know. <laughs> yes, I have a website. It's um, everydaymiraclespodcast.com. And my Gmail is everydaymiraclespodcast at gmail.com. It's an easy way to reach me. Julie, thanks so much for sharing the amazing spiritual redirection of your life and from healing the body to healing the soul. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 400 archived NDE interviews, 
Go to TalkZone's NDE Radio site and hit the Past Shows button. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can listen and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. Be sure to like, follow, and share our NDE Radio Facebook page and discover our Facebook group and links to our YouTube channel while you're there. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying... Thanks for listening.